This week on the Rail Splitter podcast, we are talking about the movie The Conspirator and doing our first joint episode with Civil War Breakfast Club. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, and I should also say Civil War Breakfast Club Podcast as well, because we're doing a joint episode with them. Um, them, I mean me and my co-host on there, Darren. So joining me tonight from Rail Splitter Podcast are Rail Splitter Jeremy. Hello, everybody. And Rail Splitter Nick. What up, Rail Split Nation and CW Breakfast Club, eating our breakfast burritos as we're listening to some podcasts. <laughs> And my co-host from Civil War Breakfast Club, Darren. I have no nickname. Aren't you the artist formerly known as Darren? That's true. That's true. Half <laughs> it's moon a in the beer can. So many <laughs> yeah. times. It's That's a joke from one of our earlier episodes. Anyway, so um, we are happy to be doing a joint episode for the first time. We actually had Darren on Real Splitter about almost a year ago to talk about the 54th, um, I'm going to butcher the state name, Massachusetts. I still can't say it. Close. Almost. All right. I'm getting there. Um, and the movie Glory. But now he's back here again with us as Real Splitter and Civil War Breakfast Club to talk about the movie The Conspirator, which is about the trial of Mary Surratt. And we'll probably get into a little bit about Mary Surratt herself, too. And being as it's the 156th anniversary of the assassination, we thought this was an appropriate time to start ta- to talk about this movie because um, obviously we've all seen it. So I think we'll get started with the discussion on that. So overall thoughts, what do you guys think of it? Um, I'll just start with a couple fun facts. Um, the film was released 10 years ago to the day. It was released huh? on April 15th, 2011. Whoa. Uh, my source, of course, is IMDb because that's the source of all knowledge, really. But yeah, I thought that that was um, interesting. So and it actually was not planned. It just worked out that way. Of course, April 15th, you know, it's pretty obvious why they chose that date and why we are talking about the conspirator now with anniversaries um, around that date. Um, I will just say this as my hot take I had. I watched it again last night and I had a uh, very similar experience that I had with the Vampire Hunter movie where the first time I watched it, I was like, "Eh, all right, you know, the vampire one, I thought it sucked. And then the second viewing, I'm like, I think I was a little harsh on it. It's actually pretty decent. Because I was like really enjoying watching it last night. Being like, I don't remember them showing the entire conspiracy. And I don't like I don't remember all I remember thinking was like he does not look like Stanton at all. <laughs> and being so furious about that. That maybe I just couldn't get past it and uh that was it. But I uh on second viewing ten years later, it was much better to me. So take that for what it's worth. I have to say, like, I watched it Saturday night. It was my second time watching it. First time I watched it, I loved it. Second time, loved it even more. And I saw more in it that I hadn't seen the first time. And it was easy. I found it was, I thought it was easy to follow along with the first time. But the second time, it was like, wow, there was just, there's so much um, in that movie going on. It is one that you can watch over and over again and see new things in it, which is kind of how I feel about the movie. I feel that way about the movie Lincoln. I also feel that way about the movie of all things, national treasure as well. Um, they're just movies you can watch over and over again and still just enjoy. It's not like action packed, but it's just a good watch. Darren. I was going to say Nick has a better beard, so he should go first, but I guess I'll jump in. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it. Um, you know, to, to Jeremy's point, the, it, it, it it started 10 years ago. It was not a hit. It was actually kind of a bomb, you know, and it only brought in 15 million bucks and first versus on box office, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, um, the, the assassination conspiracy has always been kind of uh, something I've always been had near and dear to my heart as far as I'm studying. So it seeing a movie come out about it um, was really, really good. A um, couple of casting things about it. I mean, Evan Rachel Woods in it. So there you go right there. Mm-hmm. So that's a thumbs up right off the top of the bat. But, but there's a lot of interesting people, and it's funny that Jerry mentions the Stanton cast because the Kevin Klein casting was the one I just still don't get because it makes no sense. 
I mean, fish call Wanda, Dave, I get it. And he doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't good. There's so many guys that could have taken better than that, but, uh, but I enjoyed it. It's interesting too, that Steven Root plays John Lloyd because everybody knows him from Milton from office space. Yes. So you watch that, you kept expecting him to be looking for his, you know, his stapler. I kept, and, look, I kept thinking, like, when's know, he going to say the thing about the stapler? Mrs. So Mrs. Swan, I have not been paid. I have not received my paycheck. I thought I to the tavern. But, it, but I, thought, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It's a good courtroom drama. But if you're not a real Civil War boothy seam head, you probably get bored by it. But, but I thought it was historically it was pretty good. It does take its liberties, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. There's no question I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's like the movie Copperhead in that way. You got to be a Civil War nerd to enjoy it, I think. And finally, Nick. That'd be downer. Uh, first of all, shout out to Rory from Gilmore Girls. Uh, <laughs> so I love Gilmore Girls. Binge watched that one summer. So, um, oh, man, it broke my heart when she cheated on, uh, not, not Rory, but uh, the, the mom. When she cheated on the diner guy. God, that broke you my heart. You heard it here Still. first, folks. Nick is a Gilmore Girls fan. Spoiler alert, too, by the way. Still heartbroken. I don't even want to think about that. So we're moving on. So it was great to see Rory. Uh, no, the cast is great. I mean, as far as actors, a lot of great actors in there. Um, you know, it's well it's well acted. You know, it's well shot. Um, well directed. I mean, as far as production values, I think it's good. I guess the thing that bugged me is we have a civil war movie and we don't really this is from me teaching african-american history thinking about multiple multiple multi-perspective lenses and it really is only looked through a white lens and they left out a lot of details like i don't even know if they ever used the word slavery once in the whole movie um at all and then to me if you're kind of you know watching it without knowing that context which we all happen to have um, you know, I, I think it could be problematic in some ways um, where, you know, Mary Surratt definitely comes off as a sympathetic figure. You know, Stanton is kind of the villain in it from a casting standpoint. So it worries me from the lost cause narrative. Um, so when I was thinking about that, I'm like, do we really need this movie? Like of all the Civil War movies that we could put out there, because there's not many, first of all um and there's not many well done like i I just wish they spent more time then i dove into the whole uh production company and their whole i think it was like american enterprise film or something like that Mm -hmm. the american film company yeah the american film company um and good old ricketts uh joe ricketts is part of it but anyways the you know the whole like executive boards all white males and they're out there preaching that they want to put historically accurate movies together which, based on what I've looked in, I don't know nearly as much as uh, Mary Stroud as probably all you do. Um, it seemed to get a lot right. Um, so that's good. But it's really kind of problematic that you could have this piece of history, but not really the context, which I think you could have added to the movie to make it more um, enjoyable. That's the real thing that was just really rubbing me wrong mm-hmm. the whole time when I was watching it. It just kind of bothered me. Um, and I don't know if a movie like that would get made. And, and I think if it came out now, the reviews would be harsh. Um, I, I do think especially, but you know, we are in a different time in 2021 than what we were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, it was pretty tight historically in the court scenes and that's really what the, yeah. what the movie kind of made its hay. You know what I mean? You know, you've got Joseph Holt, you've got uh, John Bingham and you've got Henry Burnett. Those, those are the prosecutors and you know, Holt is the head prosecutor, but he's also the legal advisor to the commission. And they did a real good job kind of showing it to be a, a kangaroo court type situation, you know, all nine judges, uh, David Hunter, all those guys all the way down. There was never a question that one of those eight people was going to be found innocent, include Edward Spangler, who was, a, he held his horse for 30 seconds. That, that was pretty much the extent of it. The one thing about the trial <clears throat> that the movie gets kind of wrong, Frederick Aiken was completely incompetent as an attorney. He really was. Um, there was a guy named John Clampett with him who wasn't even in the movie, who was kind of his equal. But it was focused on, on the James McAvoy character. But the interesting thing about, about this trial was Mary Surratt's first, and she was in the movie, his, Mary Surratt's first attorney was a guy named Reverdy Johnson, mm-hmm. who was a senator who was very popular at the time. And he's in at the beginning, but the, in, in real life, the first day of the, of the trial he gets up in front of the commission and says, if I felt that Mary Surratt was guilty, 
I would not represent her. You know what he does? He never comes back until the very end. So right off the bat, he kind of, she, you know, not to be, make her a sympathetic, sympathetic person, but she had bad counsel. Frederick Aiken and Clampett, for the most part, did a great job proving the prosecution's case. They would bring in, they would bring in witnesses who would just basically respin what the prosecution said. So the movie kind of got that wrong a little bit too, but it did show the that kangaroo court mentality of the of the case, and it, and they really got that one right. Um, the rest of the stuff, I hear you, Nick, with everything else, but mm-hmm. but I think that what they were really focusing on was the was that Oscar specific court case. Yeah, there was somebody else on social media that did raise the whole like slavery's not mentioned, and it's a very I guess you want to say like white centric movie, you know, but it, it too it doesn't make it right. It, it was focused just on that court case very heavily. You know, and yeah, it would be interesting to see a different take on it, you know, including that that stuff, um, you know, because all you hear of like, you know, Mary Surratt is obviously a Southerner. She doesn't really get into what her thoughts are on slavery. Well, she and all was that. very, very pro-Southern. Yeah. No, she was, oh, yeah. She hated Lincoln. Now, her husband, you know, John Surratt Sr., you know, he, you know, he inherited a big farm in Maryland. And it's ironic that when they got married, she got married when she was 16 to John Surratt. The land they lived on is the same land today that Andrews Air Force Base uses. So it's just kind of a little historical in, oh, wow. in, you know, irony. Yeah. The president's landed takeoff on the site where the Surratt's owned. But he was a big drinker, big gambler. And they had a lot of slaves, but he had to sell off his land and sell off his slaves to pay off these this debt. You know, 1862, he drops dead. And Mary has to run the whole business, which she does to her credit. And she was very, you know, very industrious for a, a woman of that age. But I think um, the whole slavery thing kind of disappeared as it went on in her life. You know, they bought the, the they bought the boarding house on Eighth Street in Washington, and they had the tavern down in Clinton, Maryland. But um, I'm not sure how you would you could have got the slaves in that movie though, because it just unless you went way back to the beginning of when she was young. I, I hear what you're saying, but as far as mm-hmm. the history of it goes. They would have had to jam it into me to do that because that wasn't really that wasn't really the case when the movie got started. Well, to me, I think it was like little things. Like I get like the kangaroo court on that, and I do agree with you that I think they did a good job um, of that aspect. And I was actually reading about it. A lot of the critics at the time were comparing it to the post nine eleven trials that were taking place yeah. to the point that they were saying, you know, Kevin Klein was character or Stanton the way like. Um, his glasses, you know, that was kind of modeled after Dick Cheney um, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that's an interesting um, way of looking at it. And that could be what Redford was going for. But to me, like when they're having that exchange, you know, he's meeting with Mary, trying to get her to, you know, tell me where your son's at. And she goes, have you ever fought for anything? You know, you know, it's big. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, And then she's like, see, we are the same. Like a little thing like that. I don't know if they are the same uh, looking at it through a 2021 lens because, you know, James McAvoy, he's fighting for a union. She's fighting for the South, the meaning behind all that stuff. It's little things like that mm-hmm. that I think they could have avoided and not have to where now all of a sudden we have a little bit of a different narrative. Um, and just like the little subtleties of that stuff is kind of what rubbed me wrong. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm with you 100%, Nick. And I think, um, like, to compare it to Lincoln, like, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, provide inclusion for the sake of inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Lincoln was, the, the film Lincoln was brilliant. And, you know, of course, Elizabeth Keckley was a very important character, um, person in the Lincoln's life. And then in the, in the film, and they, and they have the, the black soldiers in the beginning. But they also have things and scenes that are, like, clearly going to only have white people in it. Like, the scenes in Congress, the the you know debate over the amendment but like they they put in there when they called abraham lincoln like king abraham africanus the mm-hmm. first and yeah. you know they talk about you know enslavement as as the rights or whatever you know so like they they it's it's there right like the, we're in the world where enslavement is the the thing now of course that film is about the that amendment so obviously it's a little easier but yeah in this case when when she's like i'm a southerner and like and everybody's like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, yeah, inner southerner, like, and they just kind of, it just, it's just kind of, it just, it's just accepted. So, yeah, I, I agree that it, you know, that's just kind of overlooked for a long time. And I, I do think that that the point of this film was to 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 show and the Robert E. Johnson um, character, I guess, in the film, you know, kind of 
does that where it's like everybody, you know, in the, in the first act or whatever, everybody's entitled to a trial. Mm-hmm. We have a constitution here, you know? So like, I think that they, from a script writing standpoint, tried to combine pointing out Darren, like you said, the kangaroo court, like this is a, a miscarriage of justice. Like it's a sham of a trial pointing that out, trying to hammer home the point that like, even the, the worst deserve a fair trial justice while also trying to put in some like a few good men lawyery exchanges that where we're like, Ooh, you know, the cross examination, but like, you can't really have all of that happening at the same time. Like you can't have this like completely rigged court that shouldn't even be a, uh, a court martial. It should be in a, you know, a civic court. You, you know, you, you can't say like, Oh, it's this total sham, but also like, look at that brilliant cross where he proved that the guy was, kind of not telling the truth, you know? Uh, but if you don't have that, there's, you know, it's very hard to, to build the drama, you know, cause I think the drama was all around, you know, can, is it okay to execute a woman? You know, that kind of sexist idea or, or, or mm-hmm. I guess it's an interesting conversation at least like, you know, are there equal rights in capital punishment or. Well, that, you know? that was the big controversy at the time was, you know, was Mary Soratka was getting killed in the press in that trial really they, 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 <laughs> well, literally and fairly. But, but she but she um she was getting hung out to drive okay? <laughs> Ooh, wow. so anyway, you know she was at the end of her rope by the end of it yeah you know and she was not to be denied so basically you know the media was calling her an Amazon, even though she was five foot four. And everybody knows that be five foot four is not good. So right off the bat, you know, they were probably right about Thanks. that. Thanks. But um <laughs> but 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 they had all these dispersions put against her, and the whole country was against her. But they never thought they were gonna kill her. They knew she was probably guilty, but as soon as the you know, as soon as they actually killed her, there was that holy shit moment where everyone flipped. Like, we killed a woman, seriously. And so there was a lot of a complete 180 with her personally with that. And people can go back and forth with, you know, with, with who hung and who should have hung and stuff like that. At the end of the day, what it really came down to, and the, the movie didn't really deal with this either. Whether you lived or died depends on w- whether or not they felt you knew it was going to be an assassination or not. If it was just going to be a kidnapping, then you probably got life in prison. Spangler, Laughlin, Arnold's and mud. So they, they said, you know, this is going to be just kidnapping. But the other four, Surratt, Harold, Powell, and Ed Surratt, they made the determination. They knew it was going to be an assassination. And that's what they determined. So you get nine judges. You get five convictions. Five out of the nine, you're going to be guilty. Six out of the nine, you're, going to, you're dead. So it was two-thirds versus a half. And so when, when Surratt finally got – when they finally found these people guilty – they determined Mary Surratt was going to be killed. I think there was that public outcry right then. Cause out of those nine justices, five wanted to change. They, 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 you know, basically had sent a petition to Andrew Johnson saying we want clemency for her. And he claims he never saw it. And so, and that was a big controversy too. And whether or not it was executing a woman, I mean, Lewis Powell had said after the, the trial before, you know, that one day before the execution that you, it, you can't kill a woman. It's, and it's, 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 you know, when did we start declaring war on women was the actual phrase he used. And that quote didn't come out until the 1970s. Um, and so there was a lot of that. But the movie left out a, a bunch of things like that. Um, it really left out a lot of um, a lot of that part of it out. It, it, really, it really focused on specifically about Mary and whether or not she was a sympathetic figure, whether or not she was telling the truth. They did have one historical really mistake in that movie where they, when, when that scene, when she says, I only knew about the kidnapping and she never said that. And that's, that's that, but that's, again, the movie's going to take its liberties. It's taking history. I think it's taking, like you said, it's taking liberties and all that with some of this stuff. And, you know, whether or not she knew about it, that's going to be the debate people are going to have forever and ever and ever. Now the evidence clearly shows that she knew about the kidnapping. She had to have. I mean, you look at the history, whether or not John Wilkes Booth trusted her in basically a 48 hour period that he was going to kill him and have the, and was going to tell her that'll be debated until the end of time, because there's no real, there's circumstantial evidence and there's a lot of hearsay evidence, 
but there's no smoking gun. And that's that's what people are always going to say. That's why this will be debate. This will be debated forever. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a, like this is my theory based on almost no research other than just you know <laughs> as a passing fan of you know this kind of stuff. Like I think it's plausible that what actually happened was she knew all of the stuff that was going on, but was like these dipshits are never going to do this. Like you know, like you know, kind of like how people run in their mouths off about storming the Capitol. And then on January 6th, like, holy shit, they actually did it. Like, I didn't think, those, mm-hmm. you know, like, like they're like the doomsday preppers or whatever. Like these guys who are like, we're going to take, or the guys that live out on the ranch and say they're seceding, like, we're going to take on the government. Like, all right, whatever. Like, I wonder if there was an element of like, these dipshits aren't going to, aren't going to really kidnap the president. Like, all right. You know, like, was there an element of that in her thinking? And, and could that have been a defense where like, yes, she knew, but she's like, there's this is you know an actor and a bunch of his buddies really you well, know the, do you think there's anything to that and one of the plans was they were going at ford's theater they were going to have shut the lights off and they were going to lower him down in a rope and they were going to have you know lewis powell who was going to catch him and not be the one who threw him over the ledge and then carry him off put the lights on and where the president go that was one of their plans mm-hmm. you know so it's a pretty good point of that you know they did make that attempt at the soldier's home though that could have worked, you know, once Richmond did fell, um, you know, it, it, the question was, was the kid, was the kidnapping plot feasible? Now there is that, there is that story where on April 14th, that Booth did meet with Surratt privately at the Surratt boarding house. But again, this is per Lewis Weichmann, yeah. where most of the evidence comes from, who was clearly trying to save his ass at this point. And he worked for the war department too. Right. And so, so, uh, you know, at that point, you know, did, John Wilkes tell Mary Sorrell what was going to happen. Logically speaking, if you're going to kidnap the president, you want to tell as few people as you possibly can, I would think. But he also would like to run his mouth. So there's a case you can make either way. She definitely knew that something was going down April 14th. You know, um, there's a story, the Richard Smoot story, where she's she gets back from Surrattsville and she's going to church and it starts to rain. So she goes back and she runs into a guy named Richard Smoot. And he was the guy who was renting the boat to the conspirators who were going to be used to kidnap Lincoln and ferry her across the Potomac River. And, and she sees him and he goes, you know, where's, you know, where's my money? I need my money. And she tells him, you need to leave. They're probably going to use the boat tonight. You should get out of the city as fast as you can. And he leaves and he finds out about the next day about the assassination. That story didn't come out until after the trial. So that's probably some truth to that one. Whether or not she believed it was still a kidnapping plot or it was an assassination is that we'll never know. The, the commission felt that, you know, even though they didn't have that story, they felt that she knew. And that's the, that, again, there's the Surat people and there's the anti-Surat people, but it's, it's, it's got to be right in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, and I think the, the overarching thing is, and I know it's a different time or whatever, but like, how is any of it an executable offense for anybody? Yeah. You know, like, right. yeah at all i mean and not to get into like a big capital punishment debate but like aiding and abetting maybe kind of sort of like third degree aiding you know like knew about it and didn't say anything and you know that that's the other thing too is like i gotta think even then that's a you know not really a capital offense if it was anybody other than the president um which by the way up to and i believe including which i can't remember which assassination it was I think it was Kennedy. I think it was all the way up to Kennedy where killing the president was charged as first degree murder. Like it wasn't, it was the same thing as killing anybody else Mm -hmm. because there was a huge problem with who had jurisdiction for the prosecution, the, you know, whatever County Dallas or the state of Texas or the federal government. And then they passed the law that said, if you, if you kill the president, it's a, it's a federal offense, but murder is not a federal offense. Murder is a state crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, but whatever crime this is, was uh, clearly the same thing, you know, and, and of course you're now you're in the district of Columbia, but then again, we're trying this in a military court. So like, they're just going to do whatever <laughs> they're clearly making up the rules as they go along in this, in this particular case. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a political element to it too. Most of these justices were generals, you know, general David Hunter, Albion Howell, you know, Lou Wallace, yep. you know, CH Tompkins, these, these guys Politically, they what do you so Stanson? If 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 you believe what you believe, that he basically said these we need guilties, we need guilties. Okay, 
how are you going to be a type of guy who's going to go against him politically? And that's the other thing too. You know, Joseph Holt, like I said, he's the he's the head prosecutor, but he's also the legal advisor to the commission. So he's sitting with the commission, and the, he's t- the commission is telling he's telling the commission what he can and can't ask, and they're all okay, okay. So I mean, you know, Lewis Powell spent the whole trial basically staring at the ceiling because they know they were screwed. They 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 knew, but uh, but I think there's so much of an element going into this that you just there, there was they knew they weren't getting out. Um, you know, George Atzerodt actually tried to become a witness at this point. This is before the Fifth Amendment was really put into it. Where you, but they wouldn't let you testify uh, for your own behalf. But they basically, he wanted to sit there and say, okay, here's the deal. He told him his whole story. He told him everybody else because he wanted to give him evidence. And they all sat there and said, oh, thank you so much. And then all they did was found someone to collaborate that evidence and use it against him. So he had no, he had no chance either. Um and there's a lot of conspiracies about why there are certain people who weren't charged whatsoever. Um, you could, you know, you can talk about you guys like Thomas Jones, you talk about Samuel Cox, and you could talk about guys like that who really did aid and abet, you know, who you know, who fed Booth and Harold in the pine thicket, got them mm-hmm. over the Potomac, got them to Garrett's farm, but they weren't even charged. So there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of things you can read about this, but the clear at the end of the day, not one of those eight people uh was was getting found not guilty, not one of them. No. No, that's, I mean, I think the movie did, they set that up well that it was going to be, but I think anybody going into the movie too knew, I think they probably already knew the story of it. Um, The one thing I did want to talk about was um, the casting of Stanton, Kevin Klein, which, I mean, I'll start us off. I liked him as Stanton. First time I watched it, not so much. Second time, he had me convinced that if you shut your eyes and just listen to him talk, it made sense. Yeah. But I, I'm the type of person that I'm like, okay, if you can embody the person with the personality, then how you look doesn't mean as much. Um, the other example is in the grant miniseries with, um, Sherman, the guy that played Sherman didn't look much like him, but when he started talking and his mannerisms, I was convinced that he played Sherman very well. I did enjoy uh, Kevin Klein as, as Stanton. Admittedly, I don't like Stanton is the one on Lincoln's cabinet. I do not like at all. Um, a lot of it is to uh-huh. do with the trial of Mary Surratt, how he was. Um, some of it is to do with how, with how he treated Sherman um, afterwards too, after the, you know, with the surrender to, to Joseph E. Johnson and all that. But I have to say I enjoyed Kevin Klein as Stanton in this movie. He played him very well. Uh, yeah, I think his, his, the personality was there in the script, I think was okay. You know, was okay at that. My problem is that the, the, I would be fine with it, except that the film company's stated purpose is to create historically accurate dramatic films. So like, if they're coming out to say, it, you can't say like, other than our makeup artist or whatever the prosthetic beard person is, you know, we're going to strive for historic accuracy and everything, but this, cause it, cause that wasn't a thing that they could have, you know, that would, that's an easy thing to fix. Right. And yeah. They could have made the beard longer. Right. And, and they could have given him a little bit of a fat suit or something like making him a little more portly, like, you know, um, because like Stanton is one of the figures who's just a striking presence seward you could cast anybody for seward you know like someone between the age of you know what 50 and 70 like i'll believe it good enough you know there's your seward right um but like that he's just you know and i think that his appearance and maybe I, you know of course we always play up the spielberg movie maybe too much but like it fits the like this like pompous you know you know he he won't take anything from anybody his way or the highway like it just like you see this like big you know you know thicker guy with like mm-hmm. a real like pronounced beard like it just seemed to work whereas we're just now relying solely on kevin klein's presence which was considerable and i think he did did well um i think another issue that i kind of had and this is just hollywood in general but like everyone is beautiful like you know, like you got um, you know the the um, James McAvoy, you know, is like this like posh guy, and all of his buddies who are war heroes are also like you know perfect skin, perfect teeth, you know, and uh, you know all this other stuff, and it's just like it just, just doesn't quite have that like 
you know, like, you know, everybody compliments George Lucas on Star Wars and New Hope because it's like a lived in universe, you know, like yeah. you put dirt on the droids and like that kind of thing. Is it a, like a lived in Civil War scene we're walking into or is it like, you know, they just they just cut the tags off of the costume departments like, you know, super nice uniform and, you know, they hop right into to Washington society. So there was, a you know, a little bit of that. Um, I do think Norman Reedus um, just looked like he looked exactly like his character. I think, you know, for a character who had very few lines in the movie and, you know, a little bit of action. Uh, I thought he carried that very well. Was he Powell? Mm-hmm. Was Lewis yeah. Powell yeah. yeah, he was, it was the eyes. Yeah. But well, then again, well, it's also like, there's that photo of Lewis Powell, like that is, it's ever, that, that's the photo you get of him. Yep. And in that particular photo, he looks like Norman Reedus. So mm-hmm. funny part was the real Lewis Powell looked more like one of those Hollywood people. If you think he about did, it, yeah. Know? Especially yeah, if you, dude, like, yeah. There, there's a yeah. colorized yeah. one of Powell, and he looks like I don't know, like someone who should be on G, like it's weird, GQ or yeah. something. Like he was just it's like, and he was the was he not the youngest? He was tw- what he was, was he twenty one? He was only twenty two. Yeah, he was a war veteran too. Yeah. Right? I would have liked to seen John Goodman as uh is is Stanson. Yeah. Oh wow. That, nice. That's yeah. who I would have liked because he, you know people think of him as that whole Roseanne thing, but he's got some movies where he plays a kind of a badass. I think he would have looked the part. He would have acted the part. Um, the guy who played Stanson Lincoln too, although the movie was six or seven years previously, Goodman was the one I remember watching this when it first came out, thinking why didn't they put him in this because he'd have been perfect in this. Yeah, and also the one that was in um, Killing Lincoln, the National Geographic. Yeah. Um, he was good too. He was only, he wasn't in it for very long, but he looked just like Stanton. One other thing about the whole Stanton exchange, like I know many, many folks in the link, you know, who are fairly knowledgeable about Lincoln were waiting for him to kick Mary Lincoln out of the room in the, you know, the Peter is Peterson home. Right. Yep. Um, yep. but like, I like she was so underserved in this movie. Like, oh yeah, I know. I know they were trying not to showcase Lincoln, and I understand why they did that. You know, it was the right choice. But like, you know, you have, you know, no, you know, I'm sure whoever was cast as Mary Lincoln had a tough job to do. But it's like we got to show her long enough so it makes sense for Stanton to kick her out of the room. But that's all we're gonna. <laughs> she's now served her purpose. Like, there's no like, and it kind of to me it rang pretty false because like you know, the story goes that she was just in hysterics oh, weeping. And then he, and he had her removed because he thought she was like, had lost her mind. Whereas in this movie, like she's crying and he's like, get that woman out of here. It didn't ring real true to me. And it's, I felt it's, an, it's an esoteric movie though. I think people, they made this movie for people who knew the story, I think. Yeah. They kinda, Cause they, they brushed through the whole assassination. They brushed through the whole, I mean, Joe's boots in about 30 seconds. You know, he jumps off the thing and, you know, but I think like we were saying before, the primary focus is definitely the, uh, is, is definitely the dynamic between Aiken, Surratt, um, Anna, the, the prosecutors and the and the justices and that, that was the whole thing mm-hmm. yeah. nick what did you think of uh klein uh get him out of there Trash. <laughs> i mean to be honest i mean what the hell is the point i mean first of all a couple of things all right so if you're not going to look like the dude then you better be freaking phenomenal and he wasn't to me i mean he wasn't even the top three you know actors in the movie in my opinion I mean, it really is from an acting standpoint. It's a Robin Wright Penn's movie. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I best, do agree with you there. She's a, she's as far brilliant as the best it. performance. Um, and I'll admit, you know, Rory Rory's not a good actress. You know, okay, so I thought um, she was terrible. <laughs> yeah, she was awful. I yeah. agree, but you know, Gilmore Girls is dear to my heart. My God, I, I can't then, believe that about you. <laughs> and then uh, another thing is, dude, if we can get Christian Bale to look like Dick Cheney. Then why the hell can we not get Kevin Klein closer to Stanton? I mean, there's no excuse for it. <laughs> um, to me, yeah, like I don't understand it. He get him the hell out of there. Get him the hell out of there. You know who I also hated was Justin Long. Oh, he, I, I, I oh. hate him for a million reasons. Who is he? Oh, well, yeah, movie? and I, just in the movie, he's t- he's, he's the he's one. Uh, yeah, he's his best friend. Oh, he, I hated him. He did not wear a mustache well either. I didn't feel so. Uh, Never liked him in any movies I've ever been in ever. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. Well, he's in Dodgeball, right? I guess I'm all right with him there. I mean, I hate the character in Dodgeball, but yeah, yeah God, he really annoyed the hell out of me, too. God, get him out of that movie. I was waiting for James McAvoy. Didn't he play um, 
in X-Men. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's great in X. Professor X. Yeah, so he's... why didn't he just become Professor X and read everybody's minds? <laughs> See? Yeah, exactly. Would have been a better movie, lawyer. Movie crossover. X-Men different universe. Different universe. <laughs> The guy who played Justice uh, Joseph Holt, uh, a guy named Donnie Houston, was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I thought he, I thought he. No one really knows who he is because he's in anything else. He's he's that guy you see. And, oh, yeah, I remember him, but no one knows mm-hmm. who he is. Yeah, he's there's but, a there's like a phenomenon in the, like uh, that I saw in my online trivia league, but they they're called that guys. Yeah. He's, of, he's a that guy. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that guy from the thing. Yeah. Um, where you like Danny Houston is a that guy. He was in John Adams, I think. He was in you know a couple other things, but yeah, like you can never put your your finger on it. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. I, was, I, I thought he did well. Um, the guy who played David Hunt was pretty good. Um, obviously, you know uh, Evan Rachel Wood. I thought did really really I, well. I was just thinking of her as as Anna Surratt. That was that that's a tragic part of the story that doesn't get talked about. Is her, you know, and I think it starts to come out in this movie what she went through. Cause like I cry during those scenes. Like when she finds out about her mom, like that's, that's heartbreaking. The movie, the movie did a good job with that because, you know, Anna and, you know, she had a hardcore crush on Booth through in real life. Yeah. There's no question she did. I mean, how couldn't she Could this movie start coming to your house? You're 22, 23 years old. There was no mention of her brother, Isaac, who was fighting for the Confederacy. And he just, you know, he left in 1862 and no one ever saw him again. He lived, but he, he never came home. And then there was, there was uh, John Surratt Jr. But, where, he, where is he during the assassination? Canada. Well, he was in Elmira, New York first. Yeah. Check out the fourth, but he did make it to Montreal. But he mm-hmm. was actually in New York. No one should ever be in New York, but, you know, but that's where he was in the assassination. But but I thought she did a real good job playing Anna because she played that vulnerable but saucy type of character. Yeah. Where she had a little bit of an edge to her. In her real life is sad, though. I mean, she, you know, both her and Isaac are both buried with Mary uh, in Mount Olivet in Washington. They have no no headstones. They just basically got buried nondescript because after that point, no one wanted to deal with them anymore. But she did a good job. I thought she did really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I thought those court scenes really, really showed that as well. I'm thinking about the company and how their, their goal is to make, you know, these historically accurate movies. I think when you deal with a, a, an event like this that's so complex, has so many layers... That miniseries is the way to go. I was just thinking uh, from that. A, from a historical accuracy standpoint, because it gives you space to dive into some of these deeper things we're talking about here. And if you want to do like a movie, you almost got to keep it to a condensed event. In one of the reviews I was reading, I got like sucked into the wormhole here before this. Um, but it was talking about like 9-11 movies because they were drawing a parallel between this case and some of the terrorism cases after 9-11. But um, talking about it, it reminded me of United 93, the Paul Greenglass movie where it's mm-hmm. all on the plane. Yep. And then how that's really kind of the best out. And I and I think I agree with them out of those 9-11 movies, because I think it was, you know, it was a condensed event. It, it was easy to do that. You're doing a two hour movie. You don't have to worry into getting about all these different layers. It's a pretty simple event here. Um, I, I think something like this, especially when you're preaching, you know, hard that we're going to be this. This, you know, we're going to be the history movie making machine. Um, you know, it's just very problematic to me, especially when, you know, it's not a diverse board to start with, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then their movies are pumping out that I was looking at. You know, there's nothing really there's not a wide range or repertoire of stuff coming out from them. No, they they only released three films, I believe. Yeah. And one of them, Parkland, they really they, they made Parkland. I thought that was decent. Um, but I don't think they're even around anymore. I don't, they didn't make any money, but they whipped through this. I mean, you could have, it didn't set up anything. So you, you just had to take the hearsay of everybody that was saying that they didn't have any of the, the meetings at the Surat boarding house. They didn't, you know, they, you could have, you, if you did a mini series, you could have done a setup to it. You yeah. could have shown, you could have shown you know, people like Augustus Howell, people like Sarah Slater, these other famous spies who showed up at the, the Surat boarding house. You could have showed the meetings they had, and you could have just had the evidence the way history teaches us. I know most of it's, his, it's historical memory and it's you know it's all interpretation, but you could have had you know you could have t- shown a lot about the whole when she takes a ride with Lewis Weichman down to Maryland with the whole they'll come pick up these guns tonight thing. They, there's all they could have done all that, and they could have set that up. So really, what you're left for if you're a neophyte watching that movie. 
all you come away with is she got bad advice. She was up against her in a rig, a rig trial and she got hanged. And then she got screwed at the end by Stanton. Mm-hmm. Right. And on its face, that's pretty much kind of what happened. But, but if you put the background in maybe a mini series type of situation, you could have seen all those things, what led into that. So all those stories might've made sense. And I, I think if they'd done that, unless you want to do a Gettysburg four and a half hour movie, which they weren't going to do. I think Nick's right. I, th- I think you would have had to do a mini series thing to do it justice. Unless yep. you're a real trial, you know, psychotic who studies this stuff regularly. Cause then you, it makes sense. But if you don't, you're going to be lost throughout it. I think that, that I think that's why it didn't do well at the box office probably. Yeah. You have to have that kind of the background in it. Just like, as I said, like the movie Copperhead, like I love the movie Copperhead, but it did not get good reviews. But then when I'm, if I'm looking at it like, okay, if I wasn't a Civil War nerd watching this, would I enjoy it? No, I don't think I would have. Um, but I mean, like, and that brings me into, you know, there is a book about the Mary Surratt's trial called Assassin's Accomplice by Dr. Kate Clifford Larson, which definitely recommend reading that. It was actually, I think, part part of the basis for this movie. And it will give more background on Mary, more background on what happened but yeah, I definitely agree. This, like, I was thinking watching the movie on Saturday night or Sunday night, this could have been such a great miniseries, like three or four episodes, and just tell the whole story. And you could delve into more of it just beyond Mary Surratt, but the other assassins too, right? Some of their background. Just 10 years too soon before all the streaming services needing content. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, no, we're all in lockdown was, due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was just thinking that, like, yeah, but I mean, I don't think, you know, whether or not the American Film Company is the thing anymore, like how hard is it for Netflix to have an off-brand underneath their conglomerate that's that does stuff like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I watched, you know, one one mini miniseries that Netflix ran uh, called The English Game. It was about like the beginnings of soccer in the 1880s. It was super cool. Like, you know, it would have been a boring movie, but it was I liked it, you know, like, Something like that. It was a period piece. Like it can be done where they do like a six episode thing and um, it can be pretty interesting, but, and you can go with so many, you know, flashbacks like Darren, like you were saying to the meetings, or you can even go a little bit deeper into Stanton and maybe even actually cast someone to give Lincoln some dialogue. Although that's always risky because you, you got to do that perfectly. (laughs) You you could have, you could have built into the, the, the psychology going into the Mary Surratt story when she was younger too, right? How she had to basically raise her three kids by herself after her, her husband died, how she was able to, for a woman of that age, have a real good business sense to keep her properties, to buy a new property, keep the debtors off her front door the second her husband died, be able to know how to take those three kids out of that tavern environment and bring them to Washington. But then how John got his mind poisoned a little bit by being, you know, he ended up being a postmaster at the at Surrattsville, and that's where the whole thing kind of went. He, you know, he, he, uh, he, he, you know, he got arrested, he got caught, and he uh, was able to get off of it. But he, but he, how that went, and how you can tie, you could tie the Doctor Mud connection with with John Surratt Jr. Mm-hmm. Introduce him to John Wilkes Booth. There's so much background you could have done, um, but in this movie environment, there wasn't the time to do it. It, it would have been way, way too much. But I think. There was zero. I mean, you saw the Powell, you saw Atzerat and Harold and all of them uh, in the background that line, but there was very little you knew about them, right? If you watched that movie and didn't you know anything about this, you would think that Mary Surratt was Lizzie Borden, and these people were all her her backups, right? Mm-hmm. There was no background to it, and I think that's they really should have done a lot more to that. But I understand that the, the focus was on Mary, and I get it. But I think um, it didn't really wasn't really an indicative story of the Lincoln conspiracy trial because it was focused on just her. Mm-hmm. One, one thing, one element that I would would have been interested in seeing, and it probably could have would have had to been done in a miniseries. But like the, you could have really created a narrative that painted a picture of 1865 Washington. You know, because like you've got you've got assassination attempts at various spots in the city you've got the escape attempt you've got the boarding house you got fort theater you got the white house like they could have really built a world of like try to immerse the audience and like this is what washington was like because it's a fascinating city when it's the Mm -hmm. capital and you've got 
you know, it may have even been a majority Southern leaning town because of it's a, it's a border. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I know it's not a state, but like, you know, it's in, it's Maryland and Virginia. Like this, you know, it's a very interesting city in the context of the civil war. Like how was that city? Even if you just did April 15th, like that day, like there were probably celebrations, you know, like if they, if they were able to, if they could have dropped us in, to really get a feel for Washington. And, and I know that this makes the budget skyrocket, but I, that to me would be really fascinating just to kind of, and I, and I didn't get that feel. I got to feel like you had the boarding house set, you had the trial set, mm-hmm. and then they did some other stuff here and there. Yeah. It was a very simplistic movie in that way, which I, I think that's one of the things I liked about it though. Like it just was so focused on that story and I was able to be focused on just that story. But then when I think of it, as you said, in the context, like of a mini series, to have all that other information too. Yeah, the only movie that showed the people celebrating on the 15th would probably be National Treasure 2 at the beginning, right? Yeah. Like even Lincoln did. And that was a big part of it too. And that was more of the hearsay. You know, that, you know, Weichmann is riding back from Surrattsville with, with Mary Surratt back to the city and they're seeing the celebration, the revelry from Lee, Lee surrendering. And Weichmann makes reference of how everybody's celebrating, having a good time. And, and allegedly she says, well, all their cheers will be changed to gloom by the end of the night. That's what that's one. That was the line that he said at the trial. Who knows if that was ever said, but it shows that there was celebration. They could have. If I've yet to see a movie that really shows the post assassination feeling in DC, where it was kind of like nine eleven in New York, people running around freaking out, not knowing what was going on. You've got horses running through the streets. They think that's the Confederate cavalry invading. If you had a mustache, you were arrested. There's a whole. But I'm saying that that April fourteenth night was that jet that century is 9-11 in new york city mm-hmm. to complete mess up and no movie I, i've read a lot of books that capture well um manhunt is really good at, the, at um at that but there's been no movie or anything that really shows the panic in the city of not knowing what's going on um that would have been great that, that would have been great too if he was really trying to draw a connection between post 9-11 and stuff to start the movie more mm-hmm. like that that would have been great yeah, no, that would have been a really good connection. Um, just to go to what some of our listeners thought of the movie, because um, I posted on our Facebook group about it, um, Jim said that um, it was good, but a little bit too sympathetic. Um, Robin Wright gave a great performance. Um, Mrs. Surratt had to know something, what is on what that was is unclear, but she knew who both Booth was, and it would be hard to believe she didn't know why he was in her boarding house meeting with the others. I don't think she would have been executed. I don't think she should have been executed. She was the victim of a severe rush to justice. So that's Jim's thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to, to Jeremy's point earlier, none of those people under today's jury, whether you believe the death penalty or not, would justify the, being executed. Certainly not the next day after the trial. I mean, there'd be appeals, no. there'd be all kinds of throwbacks. I mean, being an accessory. I mean, Edwin Spangler gets six years for holding a horse for 30 seconds. And doesn't, it guy doesn't he die in dry tortoise? No, he, what or Arnold does. does. Arnold, He's that's the one right. Who Arnold who does. Ends up with, okay. He does, but um, but they, but there was there was no chance these guys were getting off. But um, but I think I think you look you look at that now. Obviously, if they'd have caught Booth, he would obviously been justified to be executed, probably on today's standards. But I mean, the other ones, um, you can make a case for you know for David Harold about being incapacitated about the type of person he was, right? Um, you you can make a case, obviously, for any of them if you're in under today's jurisprudence, but they wanted to put this under a military trial because their attitude was their crime took place during a war. Therefore, it's a military trial. Okay, well, and Reverdy Johnson, to his defense, he really pushed against this, but they he was going against Stanton. He had not, it was not going to happen. Um, but it's, it's, there's a, there's a really good book called The uh, Judicial Murder of Mary Surratt, which really talks about the actual trial. Um, I think most people who study this realize she knew something. What she did know is the is the X factor. But the book really does talk about the sh- absolute jonesing she got with this trial, as they all did, but especially her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the movie brings across the point that she did know something, but we don't know what that something was. And, you know, they're also to take into consideration, it was mentioned at the end of the movie that when they finally found John Surratt, he was brought to trial on the same evidence 
and they couldn't decide how to convict. Was he guilty or innocent? He gets he gets tried in a civilian trial. Okay, Northerners and Southerners, mm-hmm. and he gets hung jury. He's not guilty, innocent. They just let him go. What's interesting about him is he um he needs some money, so he goes on a speaking tour, and he's telling everybody how he's going to kidnap Abraham Lincoln. One of the places he gave a speaking tour of was the same podium at the Cooper Union where Lincoln spoke. Do you know that? Nope. He, he gave a speech that about how he's going to kidnap Lincoln at that exact at the exact podium. Afterwards, the Fed said, hey, you know something? Maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore because you're giving us more evidence. And then he stopped. That was it. He stopped. But he um he lived the longest. He lived until 1916. Out of all the conspirators, he lived the longest, which is irony. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. And he's in New York. York and then the- always, always gets me, though. That's, that's yeah. who the hell lined that one up. But that's a- yeah. Yeah, it's like the, the OJ, if, if I did it book. Yeah, you know, yeah that's that exactly what it's like. It, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're giving us evidence right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Scott said, it's a good movie. We still don't know how much she knew. My take has always been that since she had the boarding house where they met, it was guilt by association. And then uh, Jen responded, I just read Assassin's Accomplice, and it made me wonder if they went after her so hard because they couldn't get to her son. So maybe guilt by association there too. Like maybe there was a little bit of wood john surratt come come out if they knew his mother was on trial well the feds knew something because they showed up at the surratt boarding house two hours after the assassination the first time and this is where this story is corroborated where they you know they go to bed the whole house there's a knock on the door it's the metropolitan police of washington not the feds it's the locals and they look up at john surratt and Lewis Weichmann answers the door, and he's like, holy crap. You know, he goes to Mary Surratt and says, hey, uh, there's cops here. You know, And she says to him, let them in. I expected the house to be searched anyway. And, and so she knew something. Whether or not she knew it was an assassination is a different story. But, um, but they, they were on to the, to the Surratt booth connection all along. Somebody must have said something, probably one of the actors. But mm-hmm. he... Um, but there was no surprise. But it really, it was actually when Powell showed up at her house on the 17th, that's what did her. Because when she, when he, when the feds finally showed up, the, the army um, authorities, they show up and they're going to arrest everybody in the house, realistically. While they're interrogating the people in the house, this is when Powell shows up. He's been hanging out in the cemetery for three days. He shows up with a shovel and says, um, and he knocks on the door and there's cops. And bad timing, by the way. Worst timing. The worst place, the worst time. Would, yeah, he's like, like I need to dig right a trench. He says, I'm here to dig a trench. Yeah. And so they bring up Mary and say, this guy's digging you a trench. And she says in a very theatrical way, I swear upon God, I've never seen this man before in my life. And she says it very Meryl Streepy. Like, what? Okay. But there's arguments that say that she probably didn't even recognize him because for one, it was dark. It was, she never glasses. You know, so, so there was t- it was arguable whether or not she recognized him anyway, but she knew there was nobody coming to dig a trench. But they said, well, this guy's been living here, and so you're hiding it. So th- her, her whole life kind of fell apart that night, um, and that's really when everything kind of went for her. And so she went to the Capitol prison for a little while, and then she ended up at the Arsenal prison with the rest of them, and the rest is, is history for old Mary. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's a really good movie worth watching it obviously generates a lot of discussion, you know, behind something that is still very controversial with the Lincoln assassination and something that, um, like, I mean, I, I've always enjoyed, like, I shouldn't say enjoy, but I've always found this part of it very intriguing, the story of Mary Surratt. Well, the, yep. whole, the whole assassination is one of the pr- biggest moments in American history, and there's so much intrigue behind it. It's it's okay to say you're, you're interested in the assassination without coming across as someone's trying to glorify it. It's just one of those things you study, and it's interesting because it's such a huge part of American history, and we're still living with that Lincoln assassination today politically for what Booth did. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said before, it's like breaking your leg, and instead of setting it, just letting it be, letting it heal on its own without even tending to it. That's what instead happened to this setting, country. Instead of setting it, you ride a horse and, yeah. and, and, and flee and cross a river and end up in a barn. Yeah. And that's <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's, found by a Canadian. Booth, what Booth did that night has ramifications for today. And we still see it every single day 
with with mm-hmm. the fact that reconstruction was not allowed to continue that andrew johnson was a complete disaster for what he was mm-hmm. and and he really robbed this country of what of what could have been who's to say what would have happened no one knows yeah. but well, i gotta I, think yeah. it'd be better it'd, i agree be better i agree darren and I, th- I think that the assassination is is no different than the rest of the civil war there are people who are obsessed with the civil war for wrong reasons like they're you know the the whole you know the self will rise again lost cause whatever whatever like there are people who are super into the assassination for the wrong reasons um but there are many 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 historians who are super into the civil war and the assassination specifically because they're historians and they enjoy it and they're you know and they're and it and it is important um so yeah I, th- I think that there's nothing wrong with being a um interested in that kind of thing it's you know or it's just, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's happened, mm-hmm. you know, very few times in our history. And, you know, um, I like, I like this story because when you get involved in conspiracy theories, you can be like, this was actually a conspiracy. This is what they look like. It's mm-hmm. five dipshits who can't get it right. Can't get mm-hmm. out of their own way. And it comes crashing down fairly quickly and they all everybody everybody gets found out <laughs> like that's what conspiracies are they're not these massive things when everybody is it's the only secret that's ever kept of all the secrets in the world you know the conspiracy theories are the ones that you know anyway not to get that's too far off in the weeds um but yeah other than when nick and i went to the abraham lincoln presenters conference and they kicked out the booth <laughs> that was so creepy May have been the wrong reasons that kid, but other than that, I think you know there's most of the assassination focused people I've seen are uh, doing it for the right reasons. Hey, mm-hmm. you, you got to kick John Wilkes Booth out of a Lincoln reenactment. He was creepy as hell. Those text messages were hilarious that I got. He from was you like guys. lurking in corners. It was. It was. He was insane. just. He was just. He was just trying to be the star of the show, obviously. But <sighs> little did yeah. I know they should have kicked out one of the Lincolns. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We don't need to say his name on here, but no, he was holding court there too, though, man. It was he was Yeah, you know, oh, he did wherever he went. That's know, for sure. I know of which the leak can you speak. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I told you about it as soon as these guys messaged me about it that day. <laughs> it's like, so oh my god. It's like should be any minute, any day now. Oh god. Um also on our our website, just before like the day I posted about we were gonna talk about the con- conspirator somebody posted mary surratt guilty or not and it's got like 39 comments on it yeah ernie's a good dude Uh, yeah i've worked with ernie for a while Um, my old neighbor ernie oh yeah yeah because that's jared or jared's uh brother-in-law right yeah 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 used to be my neighbor oh shout out ernie what up nice it generated a lot of discussion like so what do you guys think guilty or not I, I, when, you, when, you, when you say the name Mary Surratt okay what brings up what emotions bring you out as far as what what you think she knew did she deserve to hang and what do you think her overall scheme was my thoughts unequivocally no she did not deserve to hang um, I I feel like if we I think you start with a crime what crime is she alleged like what did she know very important question what did she know should she have mm-hmm. reported all very important questions but what law did she break? And that, that I think is the question. What law is it that she broke? Was she, was she mm-hmm. aiding and abetting? I think that's debatable. Like, I think, you know, I think that ultimately, yes, I think she was, but I think that there's a pretty strong defense there to say she was there. You know, she, you know, she provided the venue maybe only who knows, but I would say certainly did not deserve to die. Probably is guilty of aiding and abetting. Yeah, I think uh, Boyce brought up some good points that it's not as simple as a black and white question as like, was she guilty? You know, mm-hmm. like, what are we talking about her being guilty of? There's a lot of complexity just there alone. So I also don't think she should have hang. Um, do I think she knew um, something about um, what those what they were up to? Yeah. Um, but what? How deep? I mean, isn't that the question? That is the question, isn't it? Um, and I don't know nearly enough um, to say 100%. But I think it's a complex question. I mean, what is she guilty of? Um, and looking at all that, um, yeah. Well, they they were they were convinced that she knew 
that it was an assassination plot. And that was the, that was a dividing line whether you lived or died. They were convinced that she knew, but then you have these, those five judges afterwards changed their verdicts and Johnson ignored it. Me personally, I think she 100% knew about the kidnapping. She had to have, I mean, she was a Southern sympathizer. She hated Lincoln. She had these people in her house. She had these guys coming in and out. She knew what her son was up to. You know, she had to know that Powell was no picnic. I mean, this guy was a monster, but I don't think she knew about the assassination. And I, I just don't, because I, I, I guess I just can't imagine that you're going to commit arguably, well, in my opinion, the greatest crime in American history. You're going to tell somebody. You're going to tell as few people as you can about it. You're certainly not going to tell. I mean, I, if, if, and my, personally, if he did tell her the day of the assassination, I'm going to kill Lincoln. It would have been, I'm not going to kill Lincoln. I think it would have been, make sure John's out of the country. Make sure he's away because he's not here. I just, I don't think she knew about the assassination. I think she knew something was up. Did she believe that it was still in a, a kidnapping plot with Richmond falling? I don't know, but I, I just can't imagine she knew that he was going to be killed. By I just, I just it, it just doesn't add up to me. For me, no, she did not deserve to hang. If she, to me, it's like she, she hung why was Mud not up there with her? Because to me, he must have known just as much, if not more. And he's always the one that pisses me off the most in this, is he was not up there with the rest of them. Um, I think she knew something, but no, she did not deserve to hang. I, I agree with you, Darren. Definitely kidnapping, but, you know, she... I think, I think this whole thing was like... Um, just, a miscarriage of justice in many, in, in many ways, you know, yeah, and there'll be debated forever because there's never going to be an answer for yeah, it. But no, I would never say that she deserved to hang because it's just, it, the evidence is not there. We'll never know. I will say I've been in her grave. It is the saddest grave I've ever been to. When you go, it's just tucked in a corner or stone stone just says Mrs. Surratt, no dates. If you ask the cemetery where it is, they won't tell you, you got to find it. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, it's a very interesting place. She's buried right around the corner from, uh, from Henry words from Andersonville, ironically, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange because they were both, they were both buried next to each other for a little bit of time at the Arsenal prison. Wow. I didn't realize that. So well, the, the four who were killed Wurz and John Wilkes Booth were all buried in the same basement for, for a couple of years. Yeah. Until 1869 when the, when the bodies got released by Johnson. So I, I think we're all in agreement that The Conspirator is definitely a movie worth watching. Once. Once. <laughs> yeah, I, or once a, once a decade, like, like I did. Yeah. Um, as well, it definitely generates a lot of great discussion. So um, if you're just listening to this now and you didn't, re- you didn't see our Facebook post, hop on over to our Facebook page on Real Splitter. Um, I also posted, on, posted it on Civil War Breakfast Club, too. Let us know what you think of the movie, what your thoughts are on Mary Surratt as well. Um, and thanks to Ernie for posting the Mary Surratt, guilty or not. That generated a lot of great discussion, too. Hi, Ernie. It's been a while, buddy. Hopefully your new house is doing well. Do we want to do our features tonight? Um, we can do just one. I Real quickly, Darren, I'm going to read your tweet. I really thought it was very good. Um, from this morning on, on this anniversary of Lincoln's death, it's important to remember he was flawed like the rest of us and far from perfect. That said, his death threw the country into disarray and is still being felt today. Booth robbed all of us, not just those in the 19th century. So apologies if it was awkward to hear your own tweet read back to you, but I thought that was really, <laughs> really well said and captures a lot of the essence of the of our show, The Rail Splitter, that we're not Lincoln worshipers. We're Lincoln enthusiasts and, you know, fans for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. his flaws are certainly worth, you know, or required to to note. But, but yes, this was a robbery to all of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm still on offense on Lincoln. <laughs> you mean Abraham Lincoln we're talking about? Which one are talking about? <laughs> Lincoln. I'm just going to keep it as Lincoln. I, I, would, I would second that as our of the people by the people. Yes, I agree. Present, yeah. Perfectly done. Give Darren... Yeah. Um, so then our This Week in Lincoln, I think, also goes to Darren because he's got it hanging in the background on that flag. Your scarf. My Lincoln scarf hanging up yep. there. Love it. Yeah, there's, our the, right yep. there's our This Week mm-hmm. in Lincoln right there, too. Mm-hmm. Love it. Nice. Yep, hanging on the, uh, the, the South Carolina flags. This is also the weekend of the uh, 
firing Fort Sumter, which yep. Lincoln had a big part of as well, too. Yeah, that's our next episode on Civil War Breakfast Club is Fort Sumter. So. All right. I like it. So anyway, this is our first joint episode, Rail Splitter Civil War Breakfast Club. So thank you to all three of you for uh, being able to <laughs> be here for this. So any parting thoughts at all? No, good shit. That was some good shit, guys. A lot of fun. Always study people. Always study historian people as people because they tell a story. Every single mm-hmm. one of them, whether it be Surratt, Lincoln, Booth, any single one of them, it's uh, they're people, and they all have their different dreams, different goals, and and it's uh, they're all worth studying individually. And never paint with a broad brush. Always look at them and see what their what their goals are. So that's uh, that's that's when you know you're studying history at a high level. Yep. Jeremy, anything? No, no, I just enjoy the show, and thank you, uh, Darren, for coming over and doing uh, doing a show with the with the sibling podcast, as we always say. So I appreciate it and enjoyed the oh, conversation. It's an, it's an honor, definitely. Yep. No, thank you, Darren, for being able to join us for this tonight. It's been great to finally do a collaboration between. I guess I'm kind of the bridge between these two podcasts. So this has been awesome. Um, anyway, yes, thank you for flying in. It's been appreciated. (laughs) Anyway, um, to all our listeners, thank you. Um, All our listeners for both the Real Splitter and Civil War Breakfast Club, thank you for all your support. And until next time, keep walking the world with malice toward none, and we will see you all next time.